So in this week's gospel that Peggy just read, we encounter Luke's abbreviated version of the Lord's Prayer. And it's followed by what seems to be a random mix of parable and then some sayings and then some, some somewhat bizarre pairings of fish and snake and egg and scorpion. You'd be excused if you focused on Jesus' simple instructions on how to pray and maybe kind of leave the rest behind. I admit it was certainly tempting as a preacher to hone in on the relatively familiar prayer and avoid all the jumble of illusions that follow. But then, having spent the better part of the week wrestling with the whole reading in its entirety, I think I've found some overlying ideas or overlying sense to the whole reading. I think Jesus is teaching his disciples not just how to pray, but also what to pray for, why to pray, and how to rest assured that their prayers will be answered. Now, that doesn't mean that if we pray for the Mercedes-Benz that Janis Joplin sang about in the late 60s, that we're going to get that. Some of you will get that illusion. The prayers need to fit the need, but we are told to be sure God will answer them. So the reading opens with Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, and, and we're used to the longer version from Matthew. So hearing Luke's words today might have been a bit jarring. What's striking, though, is how this shorter version exposes the sheer audacity, even the aggressiveness, that lies at the heart of the prayer. It opens with a friendly address to the Almighty. We call the Almighty Father, Abba. It's kind of like Dad. From the opening, we're called into this close, intimate relationship with this all-powerful God, the same God who led the Israelites into the Promised Land, the same God who slayed Pharaoh's armies, the same God who protected the Jews through the centuries. We call this God into a close embrace when we say, Father, Abba. Now, this would have been surprising to the Jews in the audience who hadn't yet developed that level of personal piety and familiarity with God enough to call him something like Abba or Father, nor to engage in direct prayer. And it certainly would have shocked any pagans in the room who would be, who would be familiar with a deity that might kill you if you got too close. So from the outset, Jesus is urging us to be audacious. And then God is called to be God. God's name is called Holy, Hallowed. God's kingdom is urged to come. We're barely a sentence into this, into this prayer, and we're already asking for things. There's no time for the niceties, the assurance of God's glory, maybe the retelling of God's great deeds. There's no time even for a please. And then come the requests, three of them. We ask for bread, for spiritual bread for our heart, and for actual food. And the translation of daily bread can also be read as bread for tomorrow, and bread for the next day. So we're not just asking for enough food for today, but for tomorrow and the day after. This is audacious stuff. Jesus is telling the disciples to do here, and, and also telling us here in Luke. And it continues. After asking for bread, we want forgiveness for our sins. We don't so much as say we're sorry, but we almost demand forgiveness. And it closes with the ask not to lead us to the time of trial. Now, you may have, when hearing this, replace it in your mind with Matthew's, lead us not into temptation. But when you think about it, 
Either one sounds strange. How can God be in the business of leading, into, leading us into something that is anything but good? Now, another reading of that might be more like, make it so we don't enter into temptation, which I think fits better because we are the ones that enter into temptation. It's not God's doing. Pope Francis, earlier this summer, announced that he was changing the reading in English of do not let us fall into temptation, or of uh, lead us not into temptation, to do not let us fall into temptation. And again, that reflects that shift, that difference, that it's us who's doing, who's doing the falling. He's quoted as saying that the English translation as it stood is, is not a good translation because it speaks of a God who induces temptation. But you gotta wonder how difficult it's gonna to be to change people's memory of this familiar verse. So good luck with that. And that's it for the prayer. We address the Almighty as Father, as Abba. We call on him to be God. Then we insist on bread, forgiveness, deliverance. We don't have time for niceties. It's as though Jesus is telling us just to get on with it, to just go ahead and ask already. Now, for many of us, prayer can be daunting, especially when we have to go off script and pray extemporaneously. As a child, I used to pray as if I was writing a letter to God. Dear God, thanks for all those great things you give me. Sorry about all the things I did wrong. And sometimes I dare to ask for something if I felt worthy. More often than not, it was let me get a hit in baseball today or something like that. My version of Mercedes. <laughs> then I'd close with a sincerely yours, Greg. Now some people claim that the ability to pray without a script is a sign of spiritual maturity. Maybe. But I really like the immediacy of Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. I think it gives us a template for pray praying when we don't have a script. Father, make yourself holy and bring the kingdom. Please help me in this and this and this way. Keep me out of trouble. Amen. Jesus urges us to be direct. God knows what we need. In praying to him, we're letting him know that we also know what we need. Now in the reading, Jesus then moves immediately into the parable of the bad friend or the bad neighbor. It's a sharp juxtaposition and seems to be about something entirely different. A friend shows up at midnight and bangs on his friend's door. He has an unexpected guest and needs bread. He's following Israel's strict demands of hospitality. His friend is not honoring the same code. He insists from behind locked doors that the friend go away, that it's late, the children are asleep. But the friend persists, and he finally does get up and give him the bread he needs. His persistence pays off. Sometimes we may think that God is taking too long in answering our prayers, maybe not answering them at all. I think here Jesus instructs us to keep praying, keep asking. God may not be the sleepy friend that's depicted in the story, but we need to keep showing up, keep joining his conversation that's always going on with us. Jesus implores us to, search, to ask, to search, to knock. That God, that Abba, is a God of life, a God of abundance. We aren't to be ashamed to ask. There's plenty for everyone to get what they need. Maybe not what they want. Again, Mercedes-Benz and Janice Joplin come to mind. But what they need. 
Last week I preached about God's endless liturgy of abundance versus humankind's pervasive myth of scarcity. And I think this fits within God's story of abundance. Ask and it will be given. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. There's plenty. It all starts with the asking. And the reading closes with a couple of analogies that might have been familiar to a people living near the sea in the first century, but to our landlocked 21st century years, it sounds pretty strange. I mean, who even imagines giving a child a snake instead of a fish? Or worse yet, a scorpion instead of the asked for egg? I think Jesus uses these far-fetched analogies to underscore that God is a God that delivers. For if good things come from people like you and me, people caught in the human condition with our tendency to fall short of each other and of God, if we are hardwired to do good things, to give the child the fish, the egg, then imagine how much greater the Heavenly Father is, who is a source of all good. Imagine how much more he will deliver. Jesus assures us that when we ask God, God delivers. The Holy Spirit comes to our aid and guides us, delivers us, protects us, gives us what we need. The personal practice of prayer can sometimes be scary. Today's gospel reminds us how easy it is to enter into a conversation with God. We're told not to hold back but be upfront and unashamed about what we ask for. And we're told to keep asking. We're assured that God will deliver. So I invite you in this next part of the service as we enter into our prayers this morning to speak with confidence, with the complete assurance that God is answering and will continue to answer our prayers. Maybe even consider adding a few requests of your own. Ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. Amen.